Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. Now, the other thing that I don't do, and I don't think you do either, I think you like music more than I do, but I really like music. But I don't put on headphones or earbuds when I'm at the card show, because I think I'd have people tuned out and I'd be looking at the cards, but hearing the music. I did that when I was doing price guides. I'd have headphones on and block out everything, but I can't do that when you're in a social environment. That seems antisocial. I don't wear headphones. But don't you see some people occasionally, and maybe they're not turned on, but the earbuds. Yeah, it is annoying, but if you tap them on the shoulder, a lot of times they get it. Like I said, I did that in the price guide days because it was a different part of your brain. But you can't do that if you're at a card show and you're walking around with headphones on. It just would not feel right. Same thing with my wife. When we're watching TV or something that I'm not that interested in, but we'll be watching together. It's more her show. And I'll be sorting cards. I'm not going to put headphones on. If she wants to talk about something, I put the cards down. But it seems like I'm intentionally tuning out if I put headphones on. Yeah, and there are some people who love to intentionally tune out. I like to tune in. I've told people when I'm not having headphones on, I'm hearing people talk about, they're not talking about me, but they're saying my name or they're mentioning the name or something else that might be relevant or interesting to me. You hear a lot of things. I'm not trying to overhear, but you're just there. People just talking normally and you're getting an honest viewpoint of what people really think. I've told the story before, but many shows, especially if I was going to a show where people didn't know me. Even if I had a pass waiting for me, I love to wait in line, online with people just to hear what they're bantering about, not because it's going to tell me everything that's going on, but it gives me some clues. Hey, I'm looking for cards, or I saw this guy play, and I think he's really good, and I'm going to chase these four Golden State Warrior players next year. One of the guys from TriStar, I think it was Bobby Mintz once asked me, why don't you just get your pass? And I said, Bobby, I'm happy to get my pass. Don't get me wrong. The past saves everybody money. But you'd be amazed how much information I get from standing online waiting for those passes. I always found the most natural discussions are the best discussions. The collectors standing online saying what they're chasing as they're entering the show. I'm sitting at a dollar box table minding my own business, but I'm being somewhat sociable. Somebody's on my left, somebody's on my right, and we're talking about stuff off and on, but they don't really know who I am. I don't think I know who they are either, so it's fair in that sense, but sometimes they'll be really helpful, and then at the end when they're getting up, I said, here, I got something for you, and I'll give them an autographed fan favorite card, and they go, oh, that's interesting. Is that your dad? (laughs) I said, no, it's not my dad. It was funny, at the singles club on Friday, I went and visited. I'm sitting there. I'm just pulling through. It's round two. And I pulled nine cards in an hour. And that does not meet your specifications. I hear you. But it was fine because the entire hour I was sitting there, people were coming up to me and saying, hi, Rich. Do you want to look through cards? Sure. And I wasn't being rude. So I was, hey, this is a break. I don't need to look through cards. So you look through these cards. So. The nice guy at the singles club goes to me. 
I apologize. Sorry. And he goes, no, it's fine. People were visiting you. You brought people to the booth. And I handed them the $4 for the nine cards and we went on my way. I was laughing like, that was a really fun hour. It was fun that people knew how to find me. I feel like we should have been paying rent to <laughs> Singles Club, except we'll that we're going to back to us for promotional consideration or something. But that was fascinating how we have talked about it. On Wednesday and Thursday especially, there were people that came by and they knew you would be there and I would be there. And Mike Summer was there for a while and a bunch of others. It was interesting. Yeah, people knew I'd be there and they were coming up and talking to me like it was, hey, this is cool and it's fun. And I discovered I really like that because even though it's going to be random, at least they're looking for me in a set place. Yeah. But they knew you would be there or they perceived that you would be there. And same thing with me. I can't guarantee next year that I will be at the singles club. And for people that don't know, I'm a happily married man. This is the, every card's a dollar, but this year every card was 50 cents in that part of their booth. To know I'm going to be there on Wednesday, that meant some people could know they didn't have to go searching for me. And that was better than texting or emailing. They just came by and visited, and that was cool. I knew better than to be there at 3.30 sharp on Wednesday. Real mad scene. I waited till 5.30. Uh, they had good deals still. They had very good deals. We have no complaints. But I was very happy with the dime cards I bought, too. Actually, there were two vendors I bought dime cards from, both of which were way over the 100 per hour. And if it was something local, I would have bought even more. But I was trying not to take duplicates on most of the things. So I'd have a wider selection of cards to look at when I got back home. Maybe instead of pulling 100 cards an hour, I need to be thinking about pulling $50 an hour or $100 an hour, depending that you should have a guideline like that because, and then at the national, you've got a volume problem. And if you pull $50 worth of 10 cent cards, it adds up pretty quick. Whereas dollar cards, you, you can fit them in your suitcase. If we pull stuff like that in Dallas out of Ron and Rhett's boxes, we can pretty much find a box to get them back home. It's not a hard trip. I don't think I'm going to go to the Burbank Anaheim show this year because of that. I may be going to the industry summit or something like that, where I'll see some of those same people. Even though I will encourage you to go out with the Dallas card show the week afterwards, I get that totally. I'll have a 20 table show. That's really not much. It's a fun show. I will be at your show, Rich. I appreciate that. I'll be there both days. We'll have a good time. I'm already getting people asking about it. Every show, it's building more positive momentum each time, which is good. It seems like half your dealers don't have tables at other shows. They don't. In fact, I think doing my show, to be honest, is a great way because Kyle may or may not be at this one because I don't know if he's going to go to Burbank the week before the show. But coming to my show is a great way for Kyle to see your merchandise and maybe get you bumped up on the dealer waiting list. And he's got a big dealer waiting list. Okay, So he has a big dealer waiting list. Is it seniority order? Is it based on how good your stuff is? Or has he even disclosed that? I think it's more based on seniority, but if you're a nationally known dealer and you have good stuff, I think room will be found for you a little bit quicker than it would be for person X who's just got the typical modern stuff. There are several people I talk to at the show who are now on the Dallas Card Show that are significant national personages that I would definitely love to see. Kyle's show is very dealer-centric. You don't have a lot of corporate stuff to worry about. The various rooms, each room has a little bit of a character and feel to it. 
the sentiment at the national, I've been hearing a lot that why can't you just put all the vintage people together and all the breakers together and all that stuff. And I'm really not in favor of that. The national is such a dealer run show. The dealers like to pick out where they want to be and it gravitates that way anyway. But this isn't a museum where you're going to go into the old master wing and then you're going to go into the contemporary wing. I think the fact that it's spread out like that is interesting. 20 years ago, they tried a limited thing. and It was a good idea. All the sports art people were in one section, which I thought was fine. Now, yeah. honestly, B.A. Murray has a lot of stuff in the United States. Do you consider him a vintage dealer or do you consider him a newer dealer? John Ramirez is a vintage dealer. B.A. Murray has a lot of vintage, but he's got a lot of 90s and to the present oddball. I can't call B.A. a vintage dealer. Your stuff is not necessarily all vintage. When you have obscure stuff in the 80s, which he does, and he's got an amazing eye for picking out stuff and the way he markets it by the player, but 80s and even early 90s, that's junk wax era. But since it's obscure and more limited, it almost gets lumped in with vintage because he doesn't have anything way mass overproduced. In fact, they're obscure things. And so that's what makes it honorary vintage. Would you agree with that? I'll agree with that, but you don't want to put him in a pure vintage because his stuff is not pure vintage. But even Strongsville is no longer pure vintage. I thought that was a great change. I know they were trying locally, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but the last week of August, originally, there were some people trying to put together a vintage card show near here. They asked me, and I said, look, I don't want to see an all-vintage show, but one thing you can do is anything displayed in the showcase must be vintage. That way, if you have somebody covering some more modern stuff, they don't have to display. To me, you can have a vintage show with modern stuff as long as the key items being displayed in the showcase are all vintage. I was listening to Mike Moynihan, and he mentioned this is so the opposite of me. I don't know if it's the opposite of you, but when he goes to a show, if it's in a box, he won't look at it. If it's in a showcase, he won't look at it unless it's priced. He only wants to look at available, visible cards that are already showing with their price. And that way he can get through and he can case it pretty quick. But if there's a box, even if there was a $20 bargain box of slabs, I don't think he'd look through it. He doesn't want to... Probably wouldn't look through that either. I don't either, but I'm just saying, I'm curious. When I see a box, I'm wondering what's in there. He's saying, I'm not curious. Life is short. I want to see what I want to see. And I don't have any problem with that because he's mainly looking for vintage. You know, Mike also had a target card in mind. We flew up on Tuesday on the plane. I was waited till Wednesday to pick up my badge. He went right to the show. He got his target card Tuesday afternoon. The Gaudi DeLong? No, the other one, 52, 52 Bowman Mays. Mays. Oh, 52 Mays, yeah. I heard that story, yeah. I'm happy for him. So am I. I said, I've never owned that card. And he goes, you've owned a lot of stuff. I said, yeah, but that one I never owned. I know what I've never owned. A little bit tougher card. Last series, it's the card last 218. It's, the, 18, yeah. it's in the last series of 52 Bowman, which is sneakily tough. Sneakily tough. Not enough to make a big deal about it, but veteran collectors know it's a little bit tougher. And he got it the first day. He didn't tap out, but he says, I'm going to cheaper stuff. He's vintage through and through. So that's good. Me, I've got a lot of vintage, yeah, but I like try to broaden. I'm a lifelong learner. And so I don't need to go deeper into the vintage. I've already got a pretty good proficiency and collection there. I'm enjoying seeing things, like you said, the TBT cards that I just wasn't paying attention. And here they are. They look really cool. So I need to research them. 
right? For example, you and I both have a journalism background. Do you think that helps us stay curious about things? It definitely helped when we were doing price guides and almanacs. Anybody that wants to be involved with the long tail of cards, it's a learning experience because you can really get burned. There's things that you haven't seen before, but they're really common. They're there by mistake. And so you have to know, is this a legit card that you haven't seen it because nobody cares or you haven't seen it because it's obscure? I say, if I see three of them, I think it can't be that tough. When in reality, they may be the only three in the show. (laughs) If you saw a 1921 The Fan card and you saw three of them at one table, you'd say, wow, these are easy. And that would double the amount of 1921 fan cards known to the world. But from the last 20 years, 10 years, not so much, except that there are still some obscure cards out there. No one can know it all. I'm pretty encyclopedic, so are you. And you just can't know it all. And you can't go through a bargain box and look up cards one at a time or you'd still be on the first box. I see cards every day at ComC. It's, wow, where did these cards come from? Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you know anybody that does this, but I don't look through ComC except as it relates to the cards I'm submitting. In other words, I don't just browse ComC of other people's stuff. I notice other people's stuff when I'm pricing my cards. Then when I put a new card in there, I'm finding out, oh, it's already there, or no, it's not there, and I have some pricing latitude. One of my favorite stories on that is there was some St. Louis Blues 1990s team issue card, and there were three of them on ComC. You had one, I had one, and another guy from the Dallas Fort Worth area had one. Now, what were the odds of three people from the DFW area having a St. Louis Blues card on the site? I don't know. Did I get mine from you? Did you get yours from me? I'm not sure. (laughs) It's possible. I don't know. The thing about ComC is it disperses it all over the world once I put it on there. And I've been reasonably happy. And my eBay sales, same thing. I'm packaging up cards or lots and getting them in the hands of people that would enjoy them. The man in the house of cards. The man in the house of cards. 